few months ago before this coronavirus thing really kicked off, I sat down with the Hutch guys and Rachel Picking of Agile PR and we had a good old chat about, you know, swapping, I guess, freelancer war stories. Um, but the main sort of topic for discussion was how do we make that transition, that first leap into either starting up or going after our dream job? And I thought this was worth sharing now because for a lot of people out there, you know, the world is changing and certainly the job you had might not always be available. And we need to probably think about how we're going to change what we do so that when we emerge from this, we're kind of, we've got a bit of a plan and we can sort of take advantage of, you know, of what we have to offer to other people. And like I said, these three people are fantastic. They're very inspirational, very honest. And I thought this would be a great recording just for people to listen to and just lift your spirits. As always, it'd mean the world to me if you would share this with someone who you thought, you know, would value it. And as you know, like I said, I'd say every week, but I'm trying to grow the podcast. I want you to review and rate and do everything you can subscribe so I can share this with more people and help more people. If you have a message for me, you can send an email to thad at thaducation.com, or you can go to my anchor page, which is where I do the podcast from, which is anchor.fm forward slash thaducation, and you can leave me a voicemail. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, I hope you're doing well and I'll speak to you soon. say to someone now or if you were to do it again so yeah. it's almost so what would we say to Rachel Lamb now yeah I mean when I first went freelance again like Rachel said I no safety net whatsoever it yeah. was purely I went to freelance and everyone just said that you should have at least six months wages in the bank and you should do all this so it's kind of like no I just couldn't do it you just jumped just jumped and went for it yeah. didn't have a clue what to do is that your dog chewing on the door or is that someone not walking so yeah, just went for it. So it was quite a learning curve actually. Yeah. Because I was only what early twenties, maybe mid twenties when I started trying to do it. So and, and so was this linked to when you because you had I was working in London. Had your portfolio stolen. Yeah. And then you but no, I carried on work then I'd got a job and worked my way up. Um, and I'd been in the agency for like five years. And it just got to that point where it was like, yeah, just you haven't got something new. And yeah. just kind of went, oh, just freelancing again. Okay. And what had piqued your interest about like freelancing? Had you like had your mates been doing it or have you been like, getting job offers on the sly or I'd been doing some work on the side for just people I'd, I'd met through the years and known and it just yeah, I don't know, it just seemed quite interesting to go in. And I knew kind of how much freelancers were getting paid back then. Yeah. And I was like, actually I've got the potential to earn quite a lot of money. And it is get that thing being well paid as a freelancer. Yes. Because something like, oh, do you know what? I started off, I think, charging £15 an hour and ended up at £25 an hour Yeah. throughout that course. And you, you end up raking it in. You do end up raking it in. But then you think, I don't have holidays. Yeah. I don't get sick pay. I've got to put money away for tax. All that stuff you don't realise at first. You're just like, I'm making X amount a day. Yeah, there's a reason day. you're making that money. Yeah. When you're <laughs> National not insurance, yeah, you yeah. Um, and the, the issues of kind of, I had a mortgage to pay, so I had to chase payments. And it, yeah, it was quite scary. But it was fun. I did, I did that for five years. Okay. Freelance for five years. Which is good to make that sustainable yeah. and successful. It was, it was pretty cool. But it's scary. What about you, scary Rachel? Life. What was your... 
what was my... How you got into freelancing. How I got into freelancing. So um, I had a couple of stints. So I worked as a journalist paid for. Then I was offered a job for a small agency. And then the commute for that agency was quite a long way. It was about an hour and a half driving. And so I did about a year of freelancing then. Um, partly because it just enabled me to kind of just basically work from home. But what I would say then is that I was kind of on a much lower day rate than I am now. Yeah. Partly that's experience because I've got another 10 or 15 years experience in the bag off the back of that. Um, and I think what's interesting is you go into, you go into freelancing thinking, um, oh, well, I'll charge what I was, pe- what I was paid in my job, yeah. i.e. £150 a day or something. Um, but you don't take into account all of that stuff like mm. sick pay, um, holiday. So really, you need to be looking at, like, essentially, with, with, the, with the, the higher day rate, you're covering your holiday and all of those other aspects yeah. and your professional development, which is why I quite like the model. And mine is my business is based on this, is the idea of being really clear about how many days you're available to work in a week or a year. And thinking about what you want to turn over in your freelance business as a sole yeah. trader, or as I'm a limited company now, which works for me tax-wise, um, and dividing one by the other. Yeah. Um, and I'm in part of a freelance PRs group, and day rates are under, under discussion all the time. And some people, I'm just like, you're not on a, you're not on a high enough day rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it sort of it it just helps you manage capacity as well to have like these slack days where you're not charging but you've got it covered within your overall yeah. rates yes that makes sense yeah so I think when I was freelancing because obviously I had no experience I was you just say yes to everything yeah and I was working stupid hours like just because you just work and work and work because you don't know when it's going to yeah. stop yes so you would just have days where you're, you're working till 9, 10 o'clock at night still just doing it just working and if you're in a job, you wouldn't Nothing. kind of accept those terms. No. All you want sort of overtime no. as danger management. Because any time somebody contacts you for work as a freelancer, you're like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. You just don't say no. You, you've got the fear of, if I say no, I'm, I can't pay bills next month, or if suddenly this work drops off, then what do I do? Yeah. So you just say yes, or you just keep working stupid hours. But is that sustainable? Because I did that last, like two years ago, two years ago, 18 months ago. And I accepted a contract that was a much lower rate, but it was almost like it was based <coughs> on the fact that it was probably going to be for over a year. Mm. And if I'm honest, I got burnt out by that contract a little bit because it's yeah. just exhausting trying to um, cover kind of their expectation of hours. Um, but and I just got quite drawn into kind of internal politics, which is a con- we're consultants. Uh, yeah. As consultants, you don't you shouldn't have to do that. Yes, that's true. You should be able to kind of step back. Yeah. And there's almost, when I went freelancing, there's almost two routes that people are freelancing. Either you go as a freelancer and you're in a studio, yeah. and you're hired by that studio, and that's it, and then yeah. you leave. Or you're a freelancer and you start, you start your own business and get your own clients. Yes. And I kind of, I, I got to a point that I had a good balance of that. So I'd be, I'd probably do two solid weeks in an agency, and then I'd be doing my own work in the evenings or the other weeks. So I never kind of went directly down each of those routes. Yes. So it kept it did keep a good steady flow of busyness, but it was hard if you want to. Sounds like you're burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you're young. Yeah, I was. Obviously, I didn't have kids at that, but I did have the mortgage and stuff to pay. So it was like, 
just got to be working. I can't stop working. And what about you, Rob? What were you saying about how you first got into freelancing? Um, well, I've never actually gone freelance like you guys properly. I've sort of done a bit here and there when I've been working in a job, but I've never yeah. actually properly gone out and, and freelance properly. I guess the closest I've come is setting up a business with Alex, but it feels yeah. it's a different thing because we set up a business, I think we have set hours that we work and things yeah. like that. So it's, it's a bit of a different entity than the freelancer. So it's got a bit more sort of structure. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. so, yeah. I think it's a difficult world. I did six months when I graduated uni. And I think it's tricky in that you haven't got anybody else to bounce ideas. Being a creative, you haven't got anybody else to bounce ideas off, um, share the responsibility, that kind of thing. Yes. You're very much on your own. And if you hit a problem, you've got nobody to share that with, whether that's a problem with the software or a creative problem or anything like that. You don't have the kind of support yeah. of the yeah. group sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, and you could you could go off as a tangent on your, in your own little head on a job, sitting out at your on your own a whole few days and just go off on the same thing. And it, as I said, it's nice to have somebody to go. What's your opinion on this? What what? How do you feel about this? What am I doing wrong? Or That's what can it, I do to I, change it? It's different for me because I was in advertising. Yeah. So I had a copywriter. Yeah. So I remember that we we would we had this weird thing of you're trying to get a job. And that's the holy grail of trying to get a proper job. Yeah. But then you're on placement and you would take freelance work as well uh, and do that in the evenings and weekends. But we realised, like you, it was kind of the, the one of the first jobs we got was for Channel 4 to do, do you remember Bow Selector? Yeah. yeah. We had to do all the billboards for Bow Selector. Yeah. And we didn't know what the hell it was. And it's a really hard program <laughs> to explain. Yeah. And you're like, what is this? And so you're like, well, we've got to try and advertise something we don't really understand. And even when you watch it, it doesn't help you. So we were working on that, but it was this thing of at least there's two of you. Yeah. But also the day, the, the money was so good. It was like three fifty a day in the week, yeah. and then double at weekends. Yeah. So you'd just work weekends on it and be really happy. Yeah, but then it would be like you're just this was at four creatives. You'd be in, and then you're out, and then you're if you're lucky you're back on placement like a hundred pounds a week. Okay. So it's radically different. Yeah. So it's kind of tough. This you're always flirting with. Do I do freelancing? But I yeah. also want the security of a job, yeah. and that's always the challenge. And it's very tempting to take that job. I've just got to the stage where I'm just. I feel like I'm utterly unemployable, though. <laughs> yeah, no, like, and I've applied for jobs, yeah. Yeah. and they didn't want me. So, and then ironically, <laughs> one I applied for for quite a big brand down here, um, didn't even get an interview, cried, and then, <laughs> and then the MD contacted me on LinkedIn a year later, going, ah. Oh, that person didn't work out, so this job's back up, and are you interested? Oh, wow. And I was like, sorry. No, thanks. She, she was cool, actually, because she said something like, um, yeah, she said, uh, you're probably happy rowing your own canoe. And I'm now definitely, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm happy. I feel like I've got like a bit of a kind of, yeah, a good, yeah. A good gig going. The thought of not, not having to do a CV or sort of portfolio again yeah, I'm really good. The anxiety of that process yeah. of the interview, <laughs> just having spoken to friends that have gone through that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a different ball game to when we were sort of 20, 21. Yeah. yeah. 43, oh yeah. But that's, that's the thing, isn't it? I think if you're in that job, it's the security that comes with it. And then you've also got that strange, having gone through freelancing, come out the other side, mm. you kind of wouldn't want to go back to that. So I think I know what you mean. Like when I was working over in New York and you're kind of like in an office and you're like, well, I'm almost bored or like there's other things I'd rather be doing or I've got time to do other things because you're not that busy or it's not as you're not used to working as intensely yeah and it's kind of people are kind of 
just chatting and not really doing much. That baffles me. You go to an agency and you'll go, oh, you're all just, the the pace you're working at is very slow. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I guess, you know, because when you're on your own or doing your own business, if you don't do it, it won't get done. So otherwise, I might as well crack on and yeah, do it as soon as I can. Or time. on the flip side, it means you've got space. And I'm, I major on this in the way that I talk about my business. You can do the stuff that you need to get done in your life around your work. Yeah. So there's yeah. no boss telling you you need the presenteeism aspect, which yes. I think is changing in employment space now anyway. But yeah, so I know I can go and do the school run later after my yeah. meeting. And, um, and I travel a lot as well. So I'm kind of like, shoehorning hours in here and there at airports and what have you or on the train and yeah which you yeah. just couldn't do on full-time jobs you just no. no i had this conversation no. with my partner actually who had to potentially go to york for some training and we were trying to work out the logistics of it and he was like well they, they won't work won't let me have a day off the next day and i'm like well that's insane because you physically can't get back here yeah. of, of an evening so yeah. But that comes probably down to like the boss and the environment and kind of yeah. that traditional nine to five, I want to see you every day, rather than <clears throat> just hit your deadline, I don't care where you work, kind of yeah. it's up to you sort of thing. So I guess if you're if you're in that position of like you're working a job and you are wondering, you know, do I go freelance or do I try and sort of set myself up, what would you what did you do that you got wrong? So what were the mistakes or the things you'd wish you'd done? Because I think that's always like when I talk to people, I always feel that I always stayed in the creative department. So yeah. you just mix with all the other creatives. And I never, ever took the time to build my network, I suppose, with all the other people. Mm-hmm. And it's only since coming out afterwards, you realise that all those people you knew have grown up and got really great jobs. <laughs> and now you know them. And it's like, oh, it's so easy. And I wish I'd got to know you back in the day. Like yeah. Colette, who I'm friends with now. Mm. I, she was the planner on loads of jobs for me, but because it was always this sort of like, we're the creative department, quite egocentric, and they're just going to ruin the creativity. You're almost at loggerheads. And then the other lady, Sarah, who was worked at Libanet, same thing. Like, like she's now the MD at Bain Media. So it's this thing yeah. of, they're the people you know. So I'd say like, I never made enough of getting to know everything. And like you said, contracts, tax, payment terms, yeah, all that crazy. kind of stuff. I never, I had to figure that out after you leave. And like you say, it's a real problem chasing payments and you're not you're used to being yeah. paid regularly. I think that's the one thing I would watch that has been a struggle is that arguably the larger the organisation that you work with, the longer it takes to get paid. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a situation where a client which was um, a big like H higher education institute, um, they changed their financial systems over and it got to a stage where I wasn't being paid for three months. And I think if you let a certain client get over a certain level of like they go over say 50% of your capacity so if yeah. 50% of the work you're doing is for a particular client that's the risk you leave yourself at because you're dependent on one person yeah. paying your invoice and that got quite hairy because and that's the stuff you don't really appreciate it's like you build stuff out yeah and this is what I find with friends of mine that go freelance is that you've got to be prepared for pretty much a 30-day payment term yeah because even if you set a 14-day or even a 7-day, right. it just doesn't happen. So no, no. The smaller organisations are amazing. Yeah. Like I work with this lovely museum in Tiverton and I would send an invoice and she'd pay it the next day and it was like yeah. really... Eight. But then you've yeah. got that personal... She was physically paying the invoices herself as opposed yes. to Not a big system. Yeah. some finance I found that person. I'd actually work with another freelancer and they'd hire me because like, they'd work yeah. and they would pay me literally the next day. Yeah. But weirdly, my old agency who got me as a freelancer were the worst payers. Yeah. And I'd been there for five years, but I, I'd invoice them and say, 
these are my my thirty day terms. But as we've kind of mentioned before, they they go by their accountancy system and when they pay it. And if you yes. if that invoice you've missed it by yeah, day, missed by day, then you've got to wait till the end of the month. And then it's thirty days on top of that. Yeah. And well, these were yeah. these were big for back then. They were big invoices for me. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's that's two months worth of work. I, I need that money. So it is this thing of although you've just jumped having a nest egg of some it's, it's kind In of months. just to kind of yeah you, you so need you to be working ahead of yourself like anxiety or like like we've started doing the agent like build 50 percent up front yeah if you can yeah. uh, obviously if you're going in studio into a studio and do and do a free like you can't do that but if you if you've got a client who's willing to pay for you invoice them 50 yeah, up front before you start like if you yeah can. yeah just to manage the cash just it also you see how serious the client is and how yeah there's sort of respect level there as well yeah they res- yeah. respect in what you're doing and they they expect to have to pay for it and there shouldn't be a problem if they've got to pay 50 percent up front i don't think and what are the things about like getting clients like how would you go about sort of usually it is it is always the people you know like yeah. it's a building the network that's why i was saying me making contacts with people yeah. who are outside yeah, of your, your normal ecosystem but so obviously billing's an issue and like kind of having a buffer in case mm. the like so you can't what can you do it's a big company they have their payment terms they're not going to listen to you yeah um so having a buffer is one thing that's really important and then i guess so if you're in a job i'm just thinking of the advice you'd give you've got to be saving up i think to be you know prudent and kind of thing. you know just so you don't i think the anxiety of not knowing is unbearable like so if you've got mortgages <laughs> and stuff yeah the fear of it's a horrible feeling mentally for yourself yeah. and then it's that thing of well now how am i making sure i've got work when i come out so yeah. what, what did you guys do about that so i think when we set up our business we were we were quite lucky that we were leaving our previous job and we had i think it was six months or six months yeah. we had six months notice from when we were leaving so we were in a bit of an unusual position and in that six months we were able to build up a client list and we actually hit the ground running we'd already been doing work yeah okay we were getting a monthly wage of and we had our redundancy coming at the end of that six months as well. And so what were you doing like to actively, so like when you made that transition, like were you going to networking meetings or? Well, weirdly, what, what dawned on me was actually, because we've been in the same organisation for 10 years, a lot of people are coming on from that. Yeah. And when it got announced we were leaving, suddenly all these people that we'd worked with in the past started coming out of the woodwork and saying, oh, we, we hear you going out on your own. Can we, uh, can we get you to do some work? And it was, oh, I was quite great. surprised that the network we'd built up yeah, it was quite surprising because it never really dawned on me. Just all these people that come and gone from the office and, and all that sort of thing. So and then even old friends and that, like, you just as fi- when you're in a job, you just your mate does his job and you, you just kind of like that's your job. You're not interested in them. But when you run your own business, you're suddenly like, oh, who does your marketing? Who does your design? Yeah, that, and you start making all these different questions, friends, family, and, and, and your network just spreads a lot further because you've never really paid interest to that. Up into that, but you don't yeah, need to. Into, no. Yeah. You, you've got clients coming to you f- from your full-time job and you, you, especially as a bloke, you're not too interested in what your mate does in the job no. normally. No. Um, so my ex-boyfriend yeah. introduced me to you guys. Yeah. And then we had a conversation on the phone and I said, if you're looking for an office, you might want to check out this place. Yeah. And you got us in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy place. But he'd, you'd done some work for Scott, hadn't yes. you? Yes. Yeah, did a quick little job. Did I ask you to go? I must have asked you to go for something what that would have been but what well, like with you did you uh, was were you actively building like a, no. not a crm and all that kind of stuff <laughs> well um i had the pros the prospect list okay nice. so when i was in the middle of crisis when i was needing to leave my other job for 
um, personal reasons, um, I uh, went and met a recruitment consultant and was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, I just think you've set up on your own. Yeah. And I had one of those moments of inspiration when I was stuck in traffic on the M5 trying to get back from Bristol or Portishead and came up with the name Agile PR because a lot of my stuff was working around Agile. And then this lady, she's called Liz Gad, she's awesome, she um, said, you need to build a prospect list of about 30 to 50 people. So that's what I did when I started as I kind of sat in my bedroom and yeah. added like maybe three or four names a day. Okay. And then the next week I like emailed two people a day or three people a day. But I even do this now, if I'm looking quiet, like this summer I finished a big contract and then I was looking quiet for September, October. So I went back out and started prospecting again. And there's something about asking the universe when you do that. Yeah. And I've had lots of referrals now, usually from people I know, but also via Twitter and LinkedIn of people that know me. So, for example, I've got a current prospect in Leeds who... Um, on Twitter does anyone know anyone who does Agile and PR and someone then tags me in yeah yeah. and then similarly I've made contact um, had an email yet last night from an agency in New York that does PR and Agile cool so it's and someone else tagged me in on that conversation and said don't you already do this Rachel and then yeah so it's kind of getting your network to work on, on your behalf yeah, definitely. definitely yeah and they don't normally do that like you almost have to do favors or ask make sure you're helping out other people for them to help you out but i think that's an interesting point because as you said like when you were in the job it was it was almost hidden yeah so there's this thing of i can't be in a job and be seen to be because that's the flip side isn't it if i'm seeking to leave and it's on linkedin and my boss sees yeah i'm in trouble so there is this thing of it's a it's the stealthy way to build your network and i guess the friendly way is just to be sociable yeah, because yeah. you're, you're all saying it's kind of friends people. of yeah, friends, yeah. so you can be sociable yeah. and attending, get, taking people out for coffee and chatting, but you're not actively declaring I'm leaving. I'm just no. getting to know people, yeah. putting myself out there is a kind of good plan of action. Yeah. It's you might visible. You might find champ. I, I've got a couple of people that I call a champions that, <laughs> okay. that kind of. Um, one's called Julie. One's called Esther. Um, and Esther's in Bristol, and Julie's in. Um, sorry, Esther's in Oxford. Julie's in Bristol. And they just refer me yeah. all the time. And um, I've picked up a really nice project with another university through Julie. And similarly, she's gone into a new role. And we just will always kind of have each other's backs. Yeah. It's nice to have those people that are thinking of you. Yeah. But I think that what, what you've said is random, right. Because yeah. it's that thing of it, the role is key. So I think like if they're like a marketing manager or a brand manager, you know how they change jobs a lot. Yeah, yeah. And often when they go into a new job, they're looking to bring in people they know. Yeah. So I think there's a, a tactical thing of like picking people in a certain job mm. that you know are going to be probably going and they take a new job. Well, congratulations on your new job. Can I help with anything? Yeah. Funny you say that. I need. I don't know anyone here. I need someone I trust. Yeah. I think that kind of thing is important. Like, so because champion is obviously wonderful. If we can find them. But yeah. I'm interested in kind of that tactical element of what roles do they do. And I've always yeah. found marketing managers and brand managers are kind of worth keeping up with. Yeah. Yeah. The other one is um, uh, I have managed to really expand my network through volunteering through my professional body. Okay. So it's sometimes it's quite hard work, but that's enabled me to make friends literally every, like I was in Glasgow um, Monday, Tuesday this week. And I could go out. For, I went out for drinks with a practitioner, a PR practitioner up there. Um, 
and then I helped a friend of mine become elected for our professional body, which is the CIPR. So on her campaign team, there were loads of people WhatsApping, and I was like, oh my God, this WhatsApp group's going to drive me completely insane. Yeah. But just by like in getting involved with that, that's actually led to a few contracts and a few interesting conversations and friendships. So, so when you're saying volunteer, how does that work? So in your industry, is that kind of what you're volunteering for? How does that um, so we, I volunteer for the CI Chartered Institute of PR, and I currently chair the Southwest group. So I kind of... We have a team of volunteers that put on CPD events, for example. So okay. we're offering professional, um, professional uh, kind of networking opportunities and professional development. Um, and then through that, you meet other people. So um, I, one of the first people on my prospect list was, was the CIPR to approach them about delivering, developing a new training package. Okay. And they just bit my hand off, and now I've been delivering that for two or three years. So. Okay, that makes sense. It's almost like that spotting opportunities thing. And yeah. where are the opportunities? There's sort of a bit of hustle and yeah. there's a bit of, bit of asking the universe, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. And staying positive. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Because yeah, so, yeah. that's with PR, so you're accredited and you're, yeah. you're... So that's a different thing. So I guess for doing freelance and design, we don't really have... I'm not aware of like Well, there, was things like, there, were, thing, there were things like Cornwall Design Forum. Yeah. That's which gone, is yeah. not a thing, but yeah... yeah. Um, Design Business Council, do they do like... Um, I don't know really. I'm a bit crap at this because I, yeah. my main network is advertising. Yeah. And so it's kind of quite disjointed because it's mainly around London. But I guess it's the DNAD, I suppose. It's the thing of you're looking at, I guess, probably awards bodies or something like yeah. that where they would... So you would approach them and say, look, I've, I want to help. What opportunities are there kind of thing? And I think it's just thinking about... It's, it's, I guess it's all just different ways of building your network. Yeah. And I don't really go networking anymore. I just network on a day-to-day -day basis, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to, I'm going to a, a networking, networking event. event. Yeah. Yes. Because I didn't go to that business fair the other day that you guys went to because I was just exhausted. Um, but we mainly go to things like that to actually just catch up with yeah. clients and other people. It's a weird yeah, people we normally work with. Work with it's just to get out of the office and We've tried a bit of networking, but yeah. it wasn't really... A chap said to me that once you meet someone, it takes roughly, was it six months to a year to work with them? Yeah, and I can remember thinking at the time, like we need to work now. You can't wait six months. Yeah, you're not going to pitch up to a networking event yeah. and walk out of it with a yeah. job so straight away. Really, yeah, we've kind of steered clear of it really, haven't we? Yeah. To a certain extent. So how do you make that authentic connection with someone? I suppose, and sometimes that's yeah, why I think the volunteering thing is quite for me. Yeah, because you've got you're working. It's a bit like working together in a job yeah. because you kind of together for a common purpose. But yeah. But yes, you're not there for financial motivations. Basically, no. it's kind of you're you're enthusiastic about what we're all doing. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd imagine that's probably true. It's why you see. I know I've certainly watched documentaries about. I think it might have been Bill Gates's mum, and she was on all the boards in the local town or the city where he grew up, and oh, she right. was hugely powerful because of that. Because she was always volunteering to help run things. Yeah, and it's the thing of. Uh, it's like I when I was working with MIDG. It's a charity, isn't it? But like for charity fundraisers, it's all fairly high-profile people, and yeah. they all know when you dig a little bit, they've all got quite good connections, and it often is like they come together for a fundraiser or something like that. So I think that's kind of it's an interesting approach, but I think it's highly powerful because it's kind of you are working with people of influence who's and it's the it's the social type phenomenon of weak ties, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like I'll meet someone, and they'll be perfect for something that you offer. And that the link is us because we're just sitting here, sort yeah. of thing. And you would never come across them, and vice versa. Yeah. 
So I think that makes sense to kind of seek out and try and get involved in. Actually, my head always says things like coaching football local teams, but you've got to aim a bit higher and kind of it's mm. local bodies and kind of it is charity, isn't it? You've got yeah, to like volunteer that. your team to kind of sit on the board and, and help with people. Mm. And thinking about, yeah, where do, where, because before, like 10, 15 years ago, my network was very much in Cornwall, whereas now I'm like, yeah. yeah, so global. Yeah, but and it's the it's the right value circle as well. Like you yeah. said, you you're going for hiring business because I still get mates from years ago who are recommending me for like a little hundred fifty pound logo design. Yeah. Yes. And you kind of like cheers, but not really doing that anymore. Kind of. Yes. Kind of being, but they still kind of see you in that little circle. Yes. So, so you've it's, always it's, got to it's be making your network in the right yeah. place with yeah. the right people that are going to and pay kind you. of always freshening it up and always yeah. moving it and evolving it. That makes sense. Because I said that when you go to networking breakfast or whatever, or you see everyone, yeah. and you go again, it's the same people. It's like, well, I don't know quite why yeah. am I going to keep coming? It's always the same people. So that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think if we're going, we're building our network and saving up some money. What other things? So in order to be a well-paid freelancer, I think you've obviously got to have the better quality clients who value what you do. Yeah. So I'd probably want to cover what is it that you think that is going to make you stand out as a freelancer that deserves to be well paid what's the criteria that as a client who's got money to spend yeah because i think there's an element of as you try and sell yourself and say well i should be deserving more but i'm just a freelancer you're automatically starting to come up against smaller agencies yeah. who can offer maybe the same price but more services more team more infrastructure so I think there's this, if there's a limit to how much you can probably get, or you go the other route where you become like a kind of extremely successful, known for a certain, like you like a hand lettering artist is yeah. what I would think of, where you're known for that. Mm. So I think depending on the freelancing, how would you become well paid? What's you, what have you got to demonstrate to justify being well paid? My thing is that I'm the only UK PR consultant really that's doing agile yeah okay so like a usp it's such it's a weird theory. niche yeah. but it's posi well, not weird. positioning obviously i it? love it but yeah but it's your positioning isn't it yeah so, yeah that's one thing i think that was because i talked about this last night positioning is one yeah so you're known for something and if you think about people like say ellie hands has such a unique she's an illustrator oh yeah has yeah, such yeah. a unique style and her illustration is behind some massive kind of very successful brands in cornwall yeah it's it's I don't even like the word USP, but it's mm. kind of like what is it? I think that's Having important. That niche bit, yeah. yeah. But it's your niece is in your positioning because I this is yeah. fresh in my mind, so I'm cheating. But it is that I think your positioning. So like it's clearly there is an overlap between what you offer and who you serve, and that eliminates the competition. I think there's also the quality or the caliber of work you've done with certain clients, and I think within that there's the, the sort of showing that you can have success. Yeah. Like I always find, I, I, I was in here drawing a crap pyramid the other day, but it's at the bottom was always knowledge and mm -hmm. information. Yeah. And then it was knowledge and then it was experience and then it was success. And it's this thing of everyone's at the bottom talking about what they're reading, but yeah. they're not doing anything with it. And it's only if you can have success consistently is when you begin to, you know, you're, you're an investment. So I do think there has got to be a point of if you're showing work with a client, you've got to put that in a case study to demonstrate your impact. Yeah. So there's accountability, not just here's some great stuff I've done, but we don't know any context. I think explaining the journey and the challenges you solved, even if they're not 
global or they, you know but they, the fact that you could take yeah. a brief and fix it, it yeah. i think having case studies is important yeah yeah the experience is massive yeah because when i was in the agent when i was at the agency i mean i was working with big national international brands then i went freelance and i was suddenly working with small startups yeah but i'd show my portfolio and be like i've been working with like all these household names that you know so suddenly they're like oh yeah we want you working on our stuff because yeah. you could show them the quality of work as the, and the experience as well as that name that they know that they suddenly you, you get that recognition that they're like oh yeah actually they know what you're doing so the, the challenge i'd put to you which yeah. i think is a good point is if i'm working somewhere where i'm not getting that experience mm. or i'm not able to work with the bigger brands that have come through where i'm working now how do you think you can position yourself as a sort of more of an expert to a certain cl type of client what do you think you could do it's just it's how you're delivering it i suppose delivering your work but because the reason why i ask i think that if you a bit like what you're saying is i think you can compound your knowledge by committing to an industry to start with initially because mm. i find like if i so if i wanted to work with restaurants but i've worked with say all the people in advertising they don't care mm. <laughs> because it's like well that's irrelevant that's tv yeah. for mcdonald's how does that help us as a small hotel where i think if you because I, I objectively thinking like if i'm wanting to do this if i want to be an expert I think you've got to narrow your focus and be committed to that industry. So if I do five jobs for yeah. hotels, yeah. well, then all of a sudden I'm compounding my knowledge in that industry and I'm attending events where I know having worked, having had a hotel, when you talk to a hotel owner about, say, how terrible staff are, you can see them go, oh, yeah, they're a nightmare. You know, mm. there's a kind of, yeah. it's, a, it's, an inner, common, it, yeah. it's a problem that only someone who's committed to that industry would know. Yeah. And I think that when you show, like you've positioned as like there's an overlap so if you were saying like we offer branding just for like coffee shops or just for restaurants and we've done loads and here's our track record, I think then you can begin to come with it the other way and charge yeah. more because you've got experience, a track record of success and a commitment to the industry to show that you're an expert. So it's like, that's what I think I would yeah. say because it's not easy to get the big brands. The only thing I kind of see about that though, yeah. that I think we've come across that as a small agency, is if you're in that industry specific area yeah they're worried about you working for their competitors okay that's interesting so we've had that we've we've worked for like an architect and we've gone to pick up another architect saying well actually we've got experience and then suddenly it's like yeah but why why are you working for two architects because in theory we're almost competition oh really so suddenly you be in that narrow niche yeah can go against you because clients feel like well you're you could be sharing yeah secrets with them or and you kind of get that overlap a little bit yeah that's not so i that's do I, but i do see designers and agencies and everything that do go that niche yeah so i don't but i just don't know how they overcome that but yeah if you're in the hotel sector and i'm working for a hotel x and then i start working for hotel y yes does there have to be a distance between them do they have to be in a different class of hotel no it's a good point it's, it's, it's like you say there's a, it depends on like probably geographically yeah they can't be in the same town. I think that would be a, a struggle. Yeah. But I think, yes, I think look, it's a really good point. I think that I am i haven't narrowed to a particular sort of narrow niche particularly, but I was just trying to think of... <coughs> or do you um, narrow to your skill? Well, yes. Like, do you have like, like branding kind of thing? This is... I'd, well, I'd do I, both. If I yeah. wanted to get like a head start, yeah. like I think, because I guess what, you're, what I think you're valid is 
you're saying you want to work with high profile clients to demonstrate you're capable. Mm. I'm just playing devil's advocate to say if I can't access the high profile clients yet, yeah. or the agency says that you can't use the work in your portfolio, yeah, and then you're like, oh shit, how do I get, because the, the question was high paying, that was the caveat, we can all be a freelancer, but yeah. to command um, more money, I just think you've probably got to, in some capacity, have more experience and success and more knowledge of an industry. Yeah. But I think it's a really good point that you've got to be careful that who you're picking, yeah. they're they not don't. like they're not rivalry. So you might have to go, I'm going to work with an architect and I'm going to pick like a certain like sphere, like maybe high end or, or radius, yeah. or you know. But I think yeah, that's a really good. Or point. you have to be totally transparent with those clients and say we you sign, just, sign, NDAs, sign NDAs with yeah. you, and we sign NDAs with them. So and you need no to trust us that professionally there's no conflict. And what would you say, Rob, as far as like if you're looking to command a higher fee we've got like positioning and like the let the caliber of client and the case study any other things that occur to you that you think you're going to probably need to attract that i think it's becoming indispensable to that client. i mean it's not the winning that client but once you're in the door yeah it's becoming sort of indispensable to them so turning jobs around really quickly because all clients yeah that's a good one yeah speed like communication that communication yeah. is massive build up a rapport well with someone that's there um, but yeah, trying to get, trying to win that high paying client, well, that's the, the holy grail, really. That's it, isn't it? I think we're yeah. all always chasing. Which I think is yeah. a good point because it's not easy. And I think, like you said, it's, it's almost this thing of what we're all saying is it takes time. I think, mm. you know, you've almost got to just be able to support yourself, yeah. have a consistent cash flow, and be to putting in those systems where you're kind of building a network, doing gradually. Like, say, when you're in there, being indispensable and helpful communicating well, being fast. And like you said, I've always noticed that when they get better as a client, they'll take you with you. Yeah. So there is that thing of you can be patient. And I think it's also, it's really hard to sustain being a freelancer without having to fall back or go back into getting paid work. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah. So I think mm -hmm. um, to sort of sum up what we would say about how to get, you know, be a freelancer, you know, get high paying clients or becoming a high paid freelancer, We'd all agree it's kind of you have money because you don't know what terms yeah. when you go into the real world. So I think educating yourself on contracts and payment periods is useful. Yeah. Talking to an accountant or like getting that side of the business, the contracts and accounting, yeah. it's got to be tidied up. I think you've got to have a, you've got to be aware of how it works and where you stand if you're not getting paid. You've got to probably build a nest egg in some form. So like you guys were in, like you said, you had like this thing of I've got six months to kind of transition and build and build it yeah and you and then you 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 have your map your software you've got all that all those all those outgoings I think now. that's yeah. a big one because yeah. when I was free when I was freelancing not that I condone it it was pirate copies of <gasps> Photoshop and Illustrator because <laughs> you just knew every like from your own studio you yeah, like, I can't take yeah. a copy of InDesign or Quark or whatever it was back then yeah and they gave you a CD and they gave you a serial and they didn't really mind no but you can't do that now no, so you've got already to, you're looking at fifty pound a month for your software. Yes, which to some people that'll be quite a bit of money initially. That you Absolutely, think, I've got to pay that every month. Then I've got to go and buy. If I haven't got a machine, I've got to go and buy a machine. So another two grand outgoing possibly. It is like you say, it's the, it's the unforeseen cost that you don't yeah. that you take for granted. Not that you take for granted, but you just you're given them in an agency. Yeah, tax is another one like getting that separated. Yeah, and you, you doing your own account. You want to be saving. It. I always got told to save at least twenty five percent of yeah. every job. Yes, I think that's a good thing. And you just don't spend it. And I think it's so easy to spend. And oh, yeah. And I think an important thing 
that we found a bit different for us because you set up a business but once you set if you set a wage early on yeah if you have good months don't be tempted to spend that money yeah just because you've had a good month yeah. you put it in the bank and then if you ever have a quiet month so yeah. you try and just get ahead of yourself basically and if you can yeah. get six months ahead of yourself in your business account then it's great yes yeah. when those quiet and agents need to get it we all get quiet months throughout the year it yeah. happens Christmas is always a bit of a weird time. Yeah. Um, summer, August can be a bit of a weird time. It just, it, you'll it helps you. Yeah, and even as a freelancer, it'd be good to say, do you know what, I need to be making this a month that will yeah. cover my bills, cover my outgoings, and give me some money to live on. Yeah. Set yourself a max that you're going to take home a month. And what you said was interesting was when it. you're given a job, you just say yes. And that's that scarcity mindset of not knowing where the money's coming from. <coughs> yeah. And then you take on work, or clients that you possibly know you shouldn't. Yeah. That means you do work that isn't your best and that isn't going to attract high rank. So no. I think what we'd say is get your money sorted. Yeah. And it is being proactive, like always be putting some away for tax and for a rainy day. As, as, as boring as that is, it's going to give you yeah. sustainability. I think building a network's a huge one and it's kind of starting off with being more visible and more social yeah. in some form. And then like you say, at some point you've got to, there'll be a period where you know you're leaving and that's yeah. when you can start to tell your network, look, I'm going to be going freelance, I'm looking for work. Yeah. And that's the value, isn't it? And it's nurturing that consistently. Like, I mean, you've all talked about, it's the thing of you've got to keep going, you've got to keep adding you've new people. You've got to keep that motivation up. So it is nurturing your network, yeah. saving money. And then I think the other thing is, is also like, if you're going to be looking for the better clients, you've got to drag yourself out of the kind of upwork kind of fiver um, hourly yeah. wage kind of approach yeah and that's it's developing true. yourself isn't it it's, yeah. it's actually getting better at your <coughs> skills learning investing in yourself with courses and books and knowledge yeah um, doing case studies instead of just purely executional portfolio work yeah um, possibly your positioning or committing to a, a specific industry to help get you known yeah and then I think it is just that thing of showing expertise and thought leadership. I find it's just mm. that if you can be doing that and you're talking about more strategic work or more high level thinking, the people that that will appeal to are kind of going to come in and hire you for that rather than more technical, how to choose type faces yeah. and colour palettes. And also starting out, I mean, don't be afraid to email design studios and agencies and go, I'm a freelancer, have you got any other spit of work? Yeah. Just to give you that little bit, because you never know, they might go, oh, I've got two days here, I've got two days there. I think that's massive. And it just might give you that of oh, eight hours of work at £20, £25 an hour. It, yeah. yeah, that's fine, I'll take that. Because let that network know when you are available, because we have several freelancers yeah. that constantly let us know. Yes. Hi, I'm just coming up to the end of the project, I'm free from yeah. November onwards. Yes. And I think that's quite a key thing for freelancers. Yeah, because the, the deal, when you get contacted by somebody as a freelancer, and yeah. you're like, no, I can't do that because I'm already in somewhere. Yeah. You feel bad, you feel like, well, if I say no to them, they might not ever come back. Yes. So actually letting them know, you're, oh, do you know what, I'm not going to be available for the next week, but from then on I'm available. And just letting certain people know your, your availability in your calendar. I think that's massive. Because also, really you're, I'm sure when you've had that email, you're like, actually, it'd be kind of good if they did that because I don't want to yeah. do it or we've got an extra yeah. job we've taken yeah. on. And you pick up lots of little bits like that. So I think that's a big And it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You can forget about these people. Yes. But if they, if they email you, I mean, if it was every day, you'd be like, just back off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but once a, every couple of weeks, that name just keeps popping up in your email and you're like, okay, that, that's on our freelance list. That's the person yes. to have. And you, you get to see what they do, their work. And you're almost hands off keeping in contact with them. Yes. In a way, so you know they're there if you need them. 
No, that's good. I think. Whereas if they just vanish, you'd be like, are they still breathing oxygen? I don't know what they're doing anymore. Yes, like you say, it's letting people know you're around. I think that's the mistake. Is you, I always found it was always like to feast the famine. So like you don't, you you get the work and you stop the networking, you stop everything. The work stops and then you've got to go, I've got to start the network back up. You've got to get that wheel going. And I think it's that discipline, as you say, like to kind of every day just be emailing someone just Mm. to check in so that you've got a runway of like, okay, I've got a break coming up. Yeah. I'm sending out contacts so that when the opportunity does come, it's a much smoother transition. Yeah, and now with social media, I mean, when I was freelancing, none of that was around. No, so like it's much easier. On LinkedIn, you're posting out that you're available for work and you're looking for work. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay, so that so yes, that was what we would say is it's all about the preparation and um, instilling sort of discipline, really systems. Yeah, definitely. To discipline. be disciplined with money, networking, and always constantly developing yourself yeah. and positioning yourself to be it, like the go-to. It, it can even be that if you're working from home, that thing of actually, I used to get up, go out the hat, get dressed, go out the house, yeah. like take the dog for a walk, and come back. Yeah. As if I'm coming back to the office. Yes. My friend does that. He because walks his daughter to school and then walks yeah, a long way back. And you're back. dressed because you're not sitting at home in your pajamas. Yeah. Going, oh, I might start working in a minute. Yes. Like, you'd almost be like, right, I'm going to take the dog out at half eight. I'm going to be back here by nine. I'm dressed. The machine's on. I'm I'm good to go. Yes. Because you've got to have that discipline and motivation when you're working. So we need to get a dog as well. Is that what you're saying? A dog. <laughs> I'll get out. Go for a drive. I'll do, I'll do something, but go out the house. You break that routine. Almost, yeah. 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 Don't yeah. just go downstairs, put a telly on, make a cup of tea. Well, let's go to the coffee shop and have a coffee and email. Yeah. Send out your morning emails then. Yes, that's a good idea. That's great. Almost like, yeah, you're, you're coming into work. and. I think that one's a really good one. I know, I know that it's kind of the thing I should do more, but yeah, having that thing where you go somewhere and it's like, well, I'm just here to send emails. Yeah. Cup of tea, like 45 minutes, an hour yeah. later, I've kind of done do that. Do your admin. Now I'm back in the, you know, can yeah. go back and work. I think that's a really good idea, yeah. Mm. Great, okay, thank you. enjoyed the episode and as always i'd love to hear your questions um, if you want to follow me you can go to thad at thaducation.com you can go to thaducation.com you can join the facebook group by searching thaducation and you can follow me on instagram at instagram.com forward slash education there's a theme here um, i hope you enjoyed it please share it with someone who you think would appreciate it and please send me your questions have a great day and thank you for listening